Today on Locked on Sox, I finally have a friend. Mike Rankin of Future Sox will join me on Locked on Sox. You are Locked on White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked on Sox. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow us at Lockdown Sox. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Today is Friday, December 31st. Happy New Year's Eve. And I'm extremely excited to bring you my conversation with Mike Rankin. Mike is the editor-in-chief over at Future Sox. They have the best coverage of the White Sox minor leagues. They do a lot of fantastic stuff over there, and mainly they are coming out with their top 10 prospects per position list. So they'll tell you the top 10 minor league prospects for White Sox starting pitching, catching, relief pitching, first base, second base, third base, shortstop. I think it might be divvied up by infield and outfield, but you will learn the top 10 prospects by position, check out Future Sox. Mike, James, all the crew over there does a truly fantastic job. In the episode here, Mike and I will talk about Dylan Cease. We also talk about possible second base options. We touch on the Craig Kimbrell trade, and Mike has a lot of great info, again, about the prospects in the White Sox farm system. I really hope you enjoy this interview. I really hope you enjoy this episode, and I really hope that you had a great 2021. But let's get into the goods. Mike Rankin is the goods. He will be on Locked on Socks next. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered with chocolate, but amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat. And they're high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. I know Lockdown Sox listeners know Built Bar from Tanny and Herb's relationship with them. I know I know Built Bar from my relationship with Tanny and Herb. I show up to work at the 670 The Score Studios, and in every drawer, there's probably a loose Built Bar. I know Tanny and Herb were always bringing Built Bars around. I've seen every flavor, raspberry, mint brownie, cherry, double chocolate, cookies and cream, peanut butter brownie. Tanny wouldn't stop talking about his favorite flavor, the German chocolate cake, because it gave him the extra fuel he needed to get through the day. So this holiday season, stock your stuffings with a few Built Bars. Go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Again, Go to built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. It has been something I've been hyping up for what feels like centuries. Maybe it's only been weeks. But finally, I'm sitting down with my good buddy, from Future Sox and 670 The Score, Mike Rankin. Hi, Sean. Hi, Mike. How you doing? How you doing, buddy? Uh, you know. It's always good to see your lovely face. I appreciate that. You know, we've been doing this for a very long time. You know, we did it back in July. We filled in for Tanny and Herb. Been doing it since the college days. Yeah, doing it. And now you're a big, you know, big-time producer on The Score, and you're, you're editor-in-chief of, of Future Sox, and... You know, now we get to share our, our, our thoughts on the White Sox. It's very exciting. Yeah, well, we need something to talk about because what the hell is happening? <laughs> There's nothing. But also, I just want to say the, the Future Sox title editor-in-chief 
you know, I yeah, it's it is what it is. But I'm the, the site is nothing without the group that we have. I, I cannot stress that enough. We have the hardest working team uh, that I've ever worked with with us at Future Socks, and their commitment to this makes it what it is today, and it's special. So shout out to them. Shout out to you listeners, the readers. Really appreciate the support. It's a lot of fun to cover the team. And listeners know uh, from when we previewed the uh, international signing period for 2022, a lot of that work was uh, was used and uh, researched by uh, James Fox. Yep. So shout out to him. He does a great job, so definitely go check out Future Socks for all your prospect updates. We'll be talking about some prospects here, but I want to start off first. The guy who was a prospect, now he is a big league major league pitcher on December 16th. I talked about him possibly being uh, the player that has the best chance on the White Sox in 2022 to win the AL Cy Young. That is Dylan Cease. You're one of my favorite people to talk baseball with. Um, Dylan Cease in 2021. What was your impression? What do you take away from that season from Cease? Interesting that you say, man, you're, I mean, look, you're, you're saying Cy Young candidate. Now, it, it may come off as far-fetched just based on the the production that maybe some fans have, well, they're glossing over the production of Dylan Cease. It's because of the stuff, and it's because of the consistency in which he's taking the mound. He made every start last year, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. and he led the team in innings. Yep. So this is somebody with, we've been talking about it, the, the stuff that can make you top of the line, top of the rotation, starting pitching, and you look forward to the rotation, not to you know stray too far off the subject here, but you got a guy in an unknown in Michael Kopech. You want to make sure... There are consistent innings being taken up across at least three pitchers here. Dylan Sees is going to be that consistent guy. So I'm not going to dismiss the Cy Young. I just think he's a little bit... Eh, he's, he's still kind of not there yet, you in my me- opinion. You mentioned the stuff, and a stat that I had, it was uh, it, the, the spin on his fastball, slider, and curveball. Uh, the, the metrics on that, it's all you know above a certain RPM. Uh, the only players with fastballs, sliders, and curves like that, I think it was Dylan Cease, Julio Urias, Corbin Burns, and the uh, former Cy Young that used to play for the uh, Dodgers, uh, Reds, and uh, Cleveland team. So, I mean, his stuff is truly, I mean, elite of the elite. And one thing that I saw and noticed from August, September to October was he was re- releasing at the the same point. It was He was very inconsistent with his release point uh, from April and May, and you saw that in the walks that he had. And then from June to July, seemed like he cleaned it up and then really uh, dominated in August, October, and September, stopped using his changeup as much, and his K percentage was the, the highest of the MLB. So I just think that he really found something late in the season. That's why I think he does, because, you know, Giolito really is only a two-pitch pitcher at this point. Lynn, I, I don't know if he has the Cy Young stuff. I, I, he, he, I think last year might have been his best year. I mean, Kopech, really great unknown, but I don't know if he is ready yet. You talk about the innings. The innings are really going to hurt his chance to be, I think, a, a dominant starter. Yeah, Kopech. no, it's those names that you listed, pretty damn good, especially yeah. Corbin Burns. I really right. like Corbin Burns. Uh, let me go back on what I said, though. When we were talking about the innings, I did mention Dylan Cease led the team in innings. In 32 starts, He, you know, he made— the most starts among the rotation. It was actually Lucas Giolito, 178 and two-thirds innings over. Um, more, he, he pitched more innings than Dylan Cease is what I'm trying to say, over 31 starts. Now, the point of that being, now you think about it, Dylan Cease in 165 innings and 32 starts compared to Lucas Giolito, 178. It takes Dylan Cease forever to get guys out per plate appearance. Right. Too many pitches per plate appearance. It's killing me, and it's killing him. And really, it started when he was a prospect in the Cubs system down in single A. And, and there's so many avenues I wanted uh, to, to get into because the Cease conversation is fascinating. 
he has to be able to attack the strike zone. It's not groundbreaking for anybody to say that at this point who's following the White Sox. However, what is interesting is what you're bringing up at the tail end of the, of the second half of the season is the consistency of the release point. What was so interesting about Dylan Cease's issues with his fastball is that it cut. He changed that. He, he made it more straight. He, he turned it more into a four-seam fastball on a line. And I think that will just help him because you said his secondary pitches. I love his curveball. I think his curveball is his best pitch, um, but you combine it with a slider and a changeup, you you get those, especially if the changeup discreps with your fastball at 95, 97, boom. This is a Cy Young Award candidate if you throw strikes and you're going 6-7 to seven, and you're pitching 200 innings across 32 starts. You mentioned Lucas Giolito. You think he's a two-pitch pitcher at this point? He added the slider and, and started working it in the more. It, pretty damn good. It, it is, but I, I don't know if— He's going to be able to. He hasn't shown it for a full season yet. I want him is, to is, is what I've have able seen. to like. He can throw that for strikes on on pitch one, first mm-hmm. pitch strike slider, boom. I, you know, look, it's fine. We're not talking Giolito here, but man, when he's able to implement a uh, a fastball, obviously mix in his changeup, which is the filthiest in baseball, and especially when you want to locate that changeup in the top part of the zone, which you don't think, hey, changeup upper half of the zone, that doesn't happen. Giolito makes it happen because of his arm action, because of the effectiveness. However, with the Dylan Cease comp, yeah, I you know, like, like we said, attack hitters, throw strikes, have confidence in your stuff, go deep in ball games. All of a sudden, you look at his numbers, 180 innings, and you're over 200 strikeouts, and that's another thing, too. Mm-hmm. Strike strike people out, please. Right. Well, and that's the difference, too, between Cease and then you look at Rodon, Giolito, and Lynn. They all have, Lynn, Giolito, and Rodon, have that mindset of attacking, and that's why you saw such success from them this year. And I I think that it's a very interesting dynamic this rotation has, and you see how much improved it was from 2019, or sorry, from 2020 to 2021, uh, a lot due to Ethan Katz, a lot due to a lot of personal growth. I'm really interested to see what he has uh, next year, Dylan Cease, after an offseason of work. Hopefully it, it, it means big things. Uh, before we wrap up this segment, I want to get to the second base issue with you. Um, I, I think that they missed their boat when it comes to signing a free agent. I think it's going to be now a trade market uh, acquisition that they're going to have to do uh, to fill out second base. Maybe some people think it's going to be Larry Garcia. What are your thoughts on second base after you've seen the White Sox offseason unfold so far? I'm going to go a little Rick Hahn here and say, well, we can't really control of you know what hasn't happened yet or what didn't happen that was supposed to happen. I will say what they have internally isn't enough at the position because you look past Larry Garcia, it's Danny Mendick, no disrespect, Rummy Gonzalez, inexperienced, Yolbert Sanchez, who has the potential to be a big league player as a utility guy, hopefully, and that's the expectation for the young Yolbert Sanchez, who's just completed his second full season stateside in the system. Who do you like more, uh, at least for this upcoming season, uh, Rami or then Yolbert? Oh, give me Gonzalez. Okay. Yeah, give me Gonzalez. Oh, yeah. And also, too, like Gonzalez was ready in 2019. However, Mm -hmm. just the inconsistencies there, you missed 2020. And then in 2021, he capitalized on being back, playing regularly, seeing live pitching. Yolbert Sanchez was one of the top international signings a few years ago. And now it's like, okay, he's a couple, I would say, months away from being a legitimate call-up candidate. But we're talking about a starting second baseman, a regular. Leary Garcia is most effective as a utility guy around 450 plate appearances a year. Don't give me 650. Then that means like there's a hole or there's injuries. So what we're looking at internally is not enough, and that's the point. And like you're saying, 
I think they acquire it via trade, and I think and I've always had this feeling they're using Kimbrel to mm. acquire that piece, but we don't know, and I don't know how the market looks. <laughs> if the CBA ever gets rectified, if the owners do want to talk to the MLBPA, sorry, pissing me off, but like <laughs> let's get this done and, and let's make sure we don't miss any spring training because you know people who. It may poo-poo the idea of the value of plate appearances in spring training because of all of the young players or the the no-name players who get plate appearances. It's it's super valuable, so we need that, and I need it personally because without it, I don't know who I am or what I do. We definitely all need it. I want to ask Mike more about the Kimbrel trade, second base options, and then we'll get into some prospects with Mr. Future Sox next here on Lockdown Sox. Bet Online has you covered all season with more props odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website at betonline.ag to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Right now on betonline.ag, the White Sox have the 8th highest odds to win the World Series at plus 1,600. Again, head over to betonline.ag to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. Back here on Locked On White Sox with my good friend Mike Rankin. Mike is the editor in chief, although he doesn't want to call himself that, of Future Sox. Mike, you guys got the uh, a big thing coming up here on Future Sox. Big project that people should be checking out. Yeah, it's a thing that we're doing. I hope that people <laughs> want to tune in or click on it. They should. Yeah. They'll learn well, a lot. So what we're doing is uh, top ten positions uh, of the prospects, like per position. I should say top ten prospects per position within the White Sox system, uh, and we're breaking it down: corner infielders, middle infielders, outfield pitcher, catcher. Um, so keep on. Keep it on and, and check that out in the new year, Sean, right? Oh. In January 2022, how about it? So that's when we uh, plan to release them over time. Yeah, we'll probably talk to you about that at some point in 2022. And I, we'll talk about this uh, a little bit later on in the segment. But we were talking about Craig Kimbrell and also the possibilities of working him into a second baseman trade. My thought and my thinking right now is the White Sox need to trade Kimbrell for prospects to build up the pool and then be more enticing to go out and get, let's say, uh, a Gene Segura, let's say a Jeff McNeil. I think that they need to take Kimbrell and not just trade him, let's say, a one-for-one one or directly to the team that they're acquiring a second baseman from. Am I wrong for that? Because I feel like the White Sox prospect pool right now is too weak to go out and, and, and acquire a second baseman uh, without including Kimbrell in the deal. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring that up. I like that thought because I don't know, like we talked about in the last segment, how much the market values Kimbrel. And if the White Sox don't get what they want in return, why deal Kimbrel? He's still, you know, a very valuable reliever, no matter how you want to say you can use him. And Kendall Graveman included in this conversation now, too. I know there's a log jam back there, but in all reality, the White Sox have the leverage, despite the fact they kind of gave a little bit of that up by leaking it. Hey, we're going to explore trade opportunities pretty early on with uh, in this offseason with Craig Kimbrell. Um, however, with your, with your point, 
if you're trading Kimbrel to acquire young prospects, I wonder what that return would be. And then using that to bolster your system in order to feel better about trading what you already have internally or include some of the guys that you uh, acquired for Kimbrel. I, I think it's fair because right now, again, it depends how the White Sox value the, you know, the player they're getting in return for hypothetically Craig Kimbrel. Um, their value is in their young prospects. Their system is near the bottom, if not the bottom, right now, prior to the draft um, upcoming in 2022. So, yeah, when you think about it, do teams want to take a Matthew Thompson? Are are they going to have a 20-year-old pitcher, high school arm, or what have you, international prospect that's only been in single A, even double A, maxed out at double A? Like That's where the White Sox value stands. If you're talking about prospects that you expect to make an impact in 2022, like you can turn around quickly in AAA, slim pickings. And mm-hmm. I don't know how they want to deal with Jake Berger. Mike Rodolfo is a very interesting case. There's a lot there because he's out of options. He's got to make the active roster or else you send him down. He's, he's put on waivers. Um, so there's decisions to be made. And I wonder if, like, overall, the White Sox feel like in order to acquire a, a starting caliber second baseman, if that means trading Kimbrel for prospects and then trading more prospects in return to get that starting second baseman. It's a good thought. Yeah, and I, I think, too, and let's move now to the prospects, like, are there any untouchables in the system at Andrew this moment? Vaughan. Okay, but, well, but would you still consider him a prospect? Like, in, in the no. top 10 positions, like, will he be ranked in your guys' No, 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 he's not a prospect anymore, but don't touch Andrew Vaughn. Just wanted right. to say that. Yeah, don't no, trade him. I, I don't think they should right. trade Vaughn. I don't think they should trade, you know, any 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 pitcher at this moment, Kopech, Crochet. Sure. I don't think they should touch the In major terms of roster. untouchables, Sean, I think, uh, for me, it would be Colson Montgomery, you know, call me crazy, but I'm a huge fan of the kid. Mm-hmm. Their first round pick in 2021. Norhe Vera. Norhe Vera is an international starting pitcher who signed. He was involved in that weird Yoelki Cespedes deal where Yoelki took forever to get announced, even though it was like agreed upon mm-hmm. in principle. It, it took forever to get announced because of some logistics issues. Norhe Vera spent a full year in the Dominican because of visa issues like we talk about this James Fox credit to him he's been on it since the get-go Norhe Vera wasn't able to come stateside last year because it would have taken I think 35 percent out of the chunk of his bonus signing bonus so the White Sox were like okay not a big deal we can develop you in the Dominican you're going to do essentially the same things it's just against lesser talent so when Norhe Vera gets here next year he's going to be the guy in the system to watch. Next to Colson Montgomery. Shout out to West Cath as well. But it, again, young players. Right. But Norhe Vera is going to be legit. And I don't want to lose him. I want to see him develop one year in the system and see how quickly he can develop. Is he the best prospect in the system right now? In my opinion, yes. Okay. I think he's number one. And what's interesting in our in our top uh, 30 prospect list in the midseason in 2021, we had him at five. But then quickly we realize, okay, he's probably a little too low. Colson Montgomery currently ranks as number one, but that's going to change. No, again, not knocking Colson. It's just Vera is that good. And there's some unknown in a pitcher especially. Like, we're going to see what he can do stateside for the first time. But I'm talking about a 20-year-old, 21-year-old who sits 95-97. He pumps to 101. I was about to say, I thought that's a big fastball. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And he's got, you know, two pitches at this point. So... Fastball and... Fastball slider. So we're going to keep an eye on that. 
And so that's me. I'm not touching Norhe Vera. My my thing with Vera, this is briefly, I know that Canapolis uh, had a lot of issues last year Ugh. defensively. Do you want to start him that low? I mean, how, how progressive He's a prospect is he? He's probably good enough to be in Winston-Salem, which is advanced day. Okay. I would say that. And now another big pitching prospect was Jared Kelly. And you mentioned West Cath and you mentioned Colson Montgomery. Those two were picked together in 2021. In 2020, obviously, Garrett Crochet was picked in the first round. And in the second round, they took Jared Kelly. Jared Kelly has seemed to kind of freefall. And we mentioned uh, Kannapolis. He had a lot of struggles down there. They had a lot of defensive struggles down there. Jared Kelly, though, seems like the, 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 the heat's a little turned down on Kelly. What's, what's the status of him? Boy, um, yeah, it was a disappointing first season for him uh, professionally. However, um, there's a few things. I think injury issues, like he had issues, first of all, when he first started. Like, it's tough for high school draft picks to pitch in full-season professional minor league baseball. Now, that's where we get to, and I again, going off a little bit of the topic, but when minor league baseball went through adjustment period, we lost short season, and we lost really the value in the Arizona League because— I'm not keeping him in extended spring. Mm -hmm. You know, I want him to actually get valuable competition. So, Loway, Kannapolis, there was, like, overall a lot of young first-year players professionally stateside, too, because there was international players involved in this as well. Jared Kelly, though, injuries. He he had a couple of stints where he missed multiple starts. And then when he got back, there was no consistency. He couldn't hit the strike zone. The fastball's still there, but that's the only pitch he has at this point. And what's really, I think, telling is let's let's see him take a full off season, see what worked for him, what definitely like needs to be improved. I think his body type, like I hate to criticize a player for that, but get more athletic, mm-hmm. and you know we'll we'll see where it goes from there. But Jared Kelly was like by some considered the number one prospect in the White Sox system following his draft class, but you know at this point, like I said, you know. 19 years old, 20 years old, let's be patient with him. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, we can't also stress the the difficulties that was playing in Kannapolis. I know that every time I would talk to you during the season, I'd just be, you know, how's Jared Kelly? And you'd be like, yeah, Kannapolis, it's tough to judge him because Kannapolis, I mean, there's a, you know, and five errors made every single please, game. Please, yeah, thank you for mentioning that because it was tough for even Andrew Dahlquist and Matthew mm-hmm. Thompson, like these guys who are high-caliber, top-of-the-line pitching prospects that we encourage, at least us um, as evaluators, the White Sox to continue to do take these young pitchers, high school pitchers, and let them develop. But, yeah, man, that defense, bad. Yeah, I got some quick hitters for you. Which one is more important? Which position is most important this offseason for the White Sox? Second base, right field, or DH? Second base. Why? Because you need an everyday starter. I think in right field, you can – look, people don't want to hear it, but you can get by with Gavin Sheets, Adam Engel, Andrew Vaughn, Larry Garcia. There is value in that lineup every day. Mm-hmm. At second base, not so much. So I think that's the position to need right now. And DH, you think they're fine just with the guys that aren't playing right field? Like yeah, Sheets just and Vaughn. rotate them in. My, th- fine. my my big thing is Kyle Schwarber in, in, in Ooh, right field that. or DH. Is that the guy you like? Sure. Okay. Well, give me that. I, I, I look at it, and he's a guy that uh, the White Sox have the best uh, rate factor for uh, left-handed hitters uh, for home run. So they have the, the best rate factor for their park for left-handed hitters and home runs. I think you add Schwarber to this lineup, I I think they become probably the most deadly in the American League. Interesting. It's not Fenway. It's not Yankee Stadium. No, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's the Jets dream or, you know, I mean, it's a fairly short uh, porch in in right field. It's not Yankee Stadium, but it's it's, it's, it's not that far. Is there a 
more basic ballpark than guaranteed right field in baseball? Like, no, it's traditionally it's, it's, like, it's, it's pretty good. It's just yard. here's a baseball field. <laughs> well, and they got screwed too because they built it in 1991, and then Camden is built right after it, and Camden's like the the golden age of of ballparks. I will so. credit the White Sox for this. The concourse you can walk around the entire mm-hmm. concourse. It's awesome. I love that. Yeah, it's a, it's a great park. Uh, next up. Uh, Carlos Rodon, I think they did the smart thing by waiting on him and, and, and trying to wait out his market. Do you think there's a possibility that he comes back? Yeah, but I doubt it. Here's the thing. Um, if they extended the qualifying offer, I think he accepts it. That, that's been my feeling from the get-go. And the White Sox didn't want to do that because $18 million hits your payroll. So, right. you know, from there, I don't know what, again, like he's looking for, what, five years, 60 million, four years, 60 mil? Good luck. That's not going to happen to me. My thought, too, was that he doesn't, want, he doesn't want a one-year deal because with his unknown of injuries, he knows yeah. that you know anything can happen out there on the mound. I just think that he doesn't want a one-year deal. They didn't want to insult him with a one-year deal by extending the qualifying offer. I think if he gets signed, they sign him for like one year, 19.5. They give him a little bit of a bump on the, the qualifying offer and, and just to make him a little bit happy. Yeah, but I think, though, if the White Sox did that, they would have just extended the qualifying offer because, in my opinion— Rodon would have taken it, and two, if you extended it and he declined, you get the cop pick in the second round. I think if they if if he had to accept the offer after, like, I think the lockout is the reason why. Oh, the lockout he, exten- extends him. You. you know, I think he was trying to get that five year deal before the lockout, and they couldn't offer the qualifying. Yeah, he wanted to test the market. Gotcha. I don't know, but I, it's it's something that I think the, the the fifth starter right now is still up in the air. Like, I mean, are you going to go Reynaldo? Or are you going to go you know find somebody off the free agent market? Are you going to go trade like? I think that's the only pitching thing that I have a qualm about. Like if Craig Kimbrell stays on this team and he's you know in the bullpen for a little bit, that's fine for me. Uh, I don't think the bullpen, bullpen has too many issues. You have the closer figured out, and that's all that matters to, to me. And the first, you know, you got Cease, Rodon, uh, you got Cease, sorry, Cease, Giolito, Lynn, and Kopech. It's just now who's that fifth starter? Is it going to be Raylo? Are you going to re-sign Carlos Rodon? You know, how do you attack that? Yeah, Raylo was mighty impressive. Again, though, you don't want that to be your sixth guy. You right. know, like you, I want a top three plus Cease plus Keiko plus Ro, like Raylo and whoever. Like, get me yeah. another starter. Yeah, well, and that the Keiko was the name I forgot there. If, yeah. if, I, I don't think that. No, he's you know at this point of his career, it is what it is. Yeah, I, I'm hoping that when they figure out all this lockout stuff, they put in a base salary or a floor salary for these teams, and then Keiko becomes more interesting because he's making 20 mil, and these teams that are like the Pirates that are at like 30 million dollars on their payroll gotta hit the floor somehow. Yeah, exactly. They they, they take on that 18 mil and, and take it off the Sox hands. Mike, this has been fun. Hey. I, I knew it would be. I love talking to Mike Rankin. Uh, you could check him out. At Rankin906 on Twitter, he is the editor-in-chief of Future Sox. He is the producer, the audio man for Bernstein and Rahimi on 670 The Score from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. And again, Mike, what do you guys got going on in Future Sox, uh, the top 10? Top 10 prospects per position, and we also are looking forward to the preseason top 30. So that'll probably be in February, but we got some content upcoming, so... Thank you for plugging Future Sox, Sean. Really appreciate you having me on today. It's been uh, it's been a joy. Absolutely. That was Mike Rankin of Future Sox. You can follow him on Twitter at Rankin906. You can follow Future Sox on Twitter at Future Sox, and you could visit them online at futuresox.com. I hope you really, really enjoyed our conversation. Mike is one of my favorite people in the world. Been uh, longtime friends, went to college together, and uh, did some broadcasting in college together. And then, you know, we ended up working at the same exact place. He is a fantastic, fantastic baseball mind. I love, love talking baseball with him. And I hope you, the listener, enjoyed it today. 
You can follow us again on Instagram and Twitter at Locked On Socks. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And you could call into the show 312-566-8727 or you could write in at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. I'm looking for your New Year's resolutions. Do you have any for the White Sox? Please send them in. Again, 312-566-8727 or you can write in at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen. Now go make Lockdown Bets your second listen. You already know it's your one-stop shop for all things betting. Join your boy Q with insight and expertise from gambling expert Lee Sterling. Again, that's Locked On Bets. I will talk to you next time here on Locked On Socks.